From KYW News Radio, the Delaware Valley's news authority, this is Flashpoint. What's igniting debate online and in your community? I'm KYW Community Affairs reporter Cherry Gregg, and we'll run through the big issues of the week that are getting folks hot under the collar. Coming up on this podcast. The transformation of motherhood. There's a lot more people watching you or judging you, whether you're too helicopter or you're too free range. With more women in the workplace, the pressure is on. You've got wet and you've got breast milk and you've got stuff on your face. Women are just expected to do everything and to look really hot while they do it. I look back and forward at identity, representation, and duties of momming in the modern world. Pictures of this mother-son duo from Chester broke the internet. She looked so young, it was like, no, that's not the mom. The sacrifice she made and the question he asked that made the world go, aww. Hey guys, listen up. When you're done with the show, would you do me a favor? Please provide a review and rate this podcast. And feel free to provide feedback often. We need reviews to push us to the top. Now back to the show. Thanks all. Welcome back to Flashpoint. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. The focus is modern-day motherhood. Social media and news feeds show mothers having it all. High-powered jobs, 2.5 kids, a life partner, and losing that baby weight almost immediately. But the truth is very different. Mothers are under constant scrutiny. How they mother, where they mother, whether they work can be a source of pride, but also a source of shame and guilt as more women juggle more at home and in society with less support. It begs the question, what's modern day momming look like? How has it changed over the years? And can women have it all? With me in the studio to discuss this flashpoint is Professor Judith Levine. She's the director of Temple University's Gender, Sexuality, and Women's Studies program. We also have Amanda Parashir. She is the past president of the Philadelphia chapter of Moms Club. She's also a stay-at-home mom to a three-year-old and is expecting her second child. And finally, we have Maya Hurst, a single working mother of two, who recently made headlines after she moved her family out of West Philadelphia into Roxborough. Welcome to the KYW Studios. First, I want to go right in. Moms make headlines every single day. They are the backbone of the family. Do you think motherhood has changed from when at the time when you watched your mom and grandma to today? And Amanda, I'll start with you. Social media plays a big role in it. I think there's a lot of pressure around um, making your life as a mom look really nice and pretty. And there's also kind of a culture of anxiety where a lot of people feel like the more anxious you can be around certain things like organic food or sunscreens that may make you a better mom. The good side of social media is that you have a lot more chances to connect with other moms, Um, especially as a stay-at-home mom. I feel like my mom, you know, could meet people at the playground but didn't have a great outlet to be able to express herself and find out opinions from other moms. Maya, you work, you went to school, did a whole lot. How is your view of motherhood different from when your grandmom and mom were, were doing the same thing? For perspective of my mom, she was a single parent and went to college also. So for me, it was just about the same thing, you know, going to school, working. Um, she worked one job because she was married, but... She got married, and then she only needed to work one job. But I have worked two jobs for a long time, putting myself through graduate school. So for me, it was always just something I knew I needed to do. I'm a parent. 
as a role model, I needed to show my children this is what you do. And so my daughter is a freshman now at Drexel. She saw what I did, and so she's followed in my footsteps. She's not a parent, but, you know, she saw that education was important, and now she's in college herself. Judith, I mean, can you provide historical context? Because motherhood has shifted, ebbed, flowed, women have gone to work. Women stay at home. It's a whole bunch of different ways moms mother these days. The pressures on moms have really increased over time. We expect a lot of them and Mm. kind of increasingly a lot of them. Um, And at the same time, economic insecurity has grown so much, and that puts a lot of pressures on moms and families. The mother's labor force participation has increased really dramatically over time, mostly because of white women entering the labor force. African-American women have always been in the labor force in big numbers. Um, But just for example, in 1975, 47% of moms uh, who had kids under 18 were in the labor market. And then starting in the mid-90s, that number sort of skyrocketed up to over 70%. And that's kind of where we've been since. So the vast majority of moms are in the labor market. So they're balancing a lot of different things. And they're expected to be really good at work. And they're expected to be really good at home. um, And it's hard. Stay-at-home moms have it hard, too, because people undervalue, I think, the role and the work that moms do. I mean, it's a lot of doing the same thing over and over and over again, right? Picking up the same toys, putting them away. I have a three-year-old, so the expectations when you have a baby are different. I'm really lucky. My husband works from home and owns his own business, so he has a lot more flexibility. So I like the flexibility it provides for our family, to be able to go on trips, go visit family just in the middle of the week. But my husband also travels for work a lot, so it made the most sense for us, for me to stay home while our kids were really little. Yeah, because a lot of times, especially if you have a husband that travels, it's almost like you're a single mom when when he's when he's gone. Right. So just thinking about, like, if, if, the, if my kid was sick and couldn't go to daycare, I'd be taking off a bunch of days of work and things like that. So it worked out best for us for me to stay home. A lot of moms who work feel guilt. Because, like you said, Maya, you had to sometimes put out a request and say, hey, I have to work late today. Just having a good community of family and friends to, to be there for you is the most important thing. You know, as a parent, if, if you stay at home or if you're at work, it's you still have the same responsibilities. You being at home... You, it, it, that's still a full-time job on the weekends <laughs> on the weekends I know it's like oh so it's it's still that same notion that you still have to do what needs to be done and I think that either way being at home or at work you're still a parent you're still the person and being a mom kids are coming to you whether or not dad's there or not Judith you wrote this book it's called uh ain't no trust how bosses boyfriends and bureaucrats fail low-income mothers and why it matters I want to talk about how the support systems out here, not just within the home and within community, but just the support systems that are are helping moms or not helping moms. How's it going? If by support systems you mean government support systems, social policy, um, the U.S. is not doing so well on that front and kind of never has. Mm. Um, We have a very different attitude about parents and children than our European um, allies do. We we kind of think of children as uh, private consumption items, not, you know, that we consume them, but that we enjoy them and that they're a luxury that you choose to have and you should only choose to have them if you can afford them. And other countries see children as a public good, that they're, you know, the next generation of, um, of doctors mm. and teachers and 
um, city workers and uh, that, you know, we all have to invest in them. And because of that different philosophy, we have a really different social policy. So we have um, no paid um, maternal or, or parental leave. We have a very measly unpaid leave that only got passed in 1993, only gives people 12 weeks of unpaid leave, and it only covers 50% of the labor force because you have to have been working long enough, the company has to be big enough, et cetera. So um, we don't have a very good childcare system. Everyone's kind of on their own. Every parent in America is frantically trying to figure out their childcare. Mm. Um, that's not the way it is in other countries. So we don't, we don't do a great job at supporting moms, and especially low-income moms. And I heard that some moms go back to work within like six weeks or something. And I was like, six weeks? I couldn't even, I'm, I'm not a mother, full disclosure, but I couldn't believe that, you know, you barely get the green light from the doctor and you're already back at work. Um, I want to shift a little bit to the topic of free range parenting. Have you all heard of that? Where pa- parents allow their kids the freedom at a fairly young age to do stuff like go to the store down the street, walk to school, come, you know, latchkey kids. I was a latchkey kid at like nine years old. And, um, and and also the concept of helicopter parenting. Do you feel like mothers take the do do moms take the brunt, you know, of everything when it comes to parenting style and and also some of the criticism? Yeah, I feel like there's a lot more eyes on moms. Like there's a lot more people watching you or judging you whether you're too helicoptery or you're too free range, right? There's no like good medium. I was a latchkey kid and I went home and, you know, hung out by myself and watched TV in middle school. But nowadays, I feel like if I let my kid play in the backyard by himself at three, I'm like, uh oh, I hope my I hope my neighbors don't think this is like too permissive. I hope they don't think that, you know, this is a bad idea. Yeah. But I want him to have that experience to be able to dig in the dirt while I go inside and get something and come back out and not feel like, oh, I my mom has to be around me all the time. We're not raising good adults then if we are constantly monitoring them and watching them all the time. Do you think people judge you, Maya, what decisions you make with regard to giving your kids freedom to make their own decisions? And did they do that when you were a kid? I've always had this philosophy when it comes to my children that I don't make a decision that affects them without discussing it with them. So we have, we'll sit down as a family, I'll present whatever it is to them that we need to discuss, um, like when we decide to move or you know, when I was looking for a vacation or going, sending them to a new school. So I sat down and discussed it with them, where some people that I know, like, well, you're the parent, it should be your decision, but it affects them also. So for me, I've always kind of felt like my children have an input in what happens. I have the final say, but what they feel and how they feel about a situation is important to me. And for for me, I feel like it allows them to grow into the person that they're going to become because they realize their their value, their input is important. When I was growing up, that wasn't an option. My mom told you this is where we're going, this is what we're doing, and you be quiet and sit in the back seat. So I, when I had children, that was something that I wanted to be different for my children is I wanted them to have a voice and a say in what went on in our house. Yeah. And Judith, can you comment on this? Do you think society steps in too much now? You know, there's no 
set right way of parenting and what is ex- deemed acceptable has really changed over time and it's really different across geographic space. There are other countries that are much more permissive with children and children kind of run free a lot more than in, in, in the U.S. Um, and we hear stories, similar stories to the ones you're talking about when people who are visiting from another country or who have immigrated and just have different views on whether a kid can sit in a car by themselves while you run in and get coffee. Obviously, we really want to protect children. And when something terrible happens, we're really critical of government agencies that didn't step in earlier. So it's it's a hard thing to balance. But, you know, I think you're right. We've heard a lot of stories where yeah. it's, it's questionable that uh, there's been interference with parents' decisions. And I wonder, because some communities are policed more than others, if mm-hmm. there's a difference in whether or not charges are brought against parents based on socioeconomic class. Absolutely, and of course based on race. There absolutely seems to be much more surveillance of low-income parents and of parents of color. It's because of the way they police, the way communities are policed, period. Yes, and the level of involvement in various kinds of systems that have oversights. Like if you are receiving public assistance, there are a lot of eyes on you. Yeah, checking out what you're doing. I also think that there's a like a very different way people treat dads and they treat moms. Like if you went to the playground and you saw a dad sitting on the bench, you'd be like, oh, that's so great that dad took his kid to the playground. If you see a mom sitting on the bench, you're like, why is that mom not watching her four-year-old? Her four-year-old's climbing that really tall ladder. So I think there's definitely a double standard when we think about the permissiveness of dads versus moms. That is very true. And, and that's a great transition to the question about support. Are dads getting more involved? And I know, Amanda, you started, you were working with the Moms Club and moms kind of supporting each other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also live in Roxborough and we just have a really great neighborhood where there's a bunch of stay-at-home or part-time working moms and working moms and we get together and have um, Moms Night Out once a month. We do play dates. We meet up at playgrounds and we do like a big social, which might be like a music class or all going um, for a hike about once a month. And it's really great to have like that support network, just to know that there's different events that are going on. You can meet new people. Um, When people have new babies, we're bringing them meals. Different club members are bringing them meals. So there's a lot of great support for moms by moms. And how important is the motherhood identity? Because you think about it. I mean, when you become a mother, and I, again, I'm not a mother, but it seems like your whole identity shifts. I didn't really realize it until I want to say my daughter was like four and I was in the store and another child happened to be from my daughter's class and said, oh, that's Felicia's mom. And I thought, no, I'm Maya. But you lose your identity. You are the parent of that child. And that's how everyone sees you. So it's nice when you have, like she was saying, like a mom's group where people identify with who you are. I am Maya. You are Lisa. So it's nice <laughs> when you have that and it's not you're Felicia's mom, you're Xavier's mom, you're this mom. You're, it's it's you knowing who you are. It's nice to have that camaraderie with other people where they know who you are and you know who they are. And it's not about the children. You see a big push now for moms to remain, to keep their identity. Society kind of moves back and forth, right? So in the 70s, the women's movement was all about Um, Again, this is mostly white women because black women were already in the labor force. But in the 70s, for white women, it was all about getting into the labor force and getting out of the home. And um, there was sort of this this almost disdain for motherhood. 
even amongst women. Mm-hmm. And then the pendulum swung back because, you know, it's sort of crazy to say that women shouldn't, you know, feel great about being mothers and that that is an incredibly valuable thing. Um, and so then, you know, we sort of had the swing back of valuing stay-at-home moms, moms who are employed, all kinds of moms. And so I think we're kind of trying to find our way. And in that, women are trying to say, you know, it's important to have my own identity no matter how I'm doing motherhood, whether I'm home, whether I'm uh, in an office, um, I'm, I am still this person who is me. Yeah. Um, and I do think so, social media helps. And I think it helps um, especially stay-at-home moms from being as isolated um, because it connects people. Yeah, it definitely does that. And I want to talk about this whole image of mom because, again, when Duchess Kate came out holding the baby, she had on heels after having given birth a few hours before. Just seeing that image, did that make you mad? Did it make you clap? I knew that that wasn't like the typical person's experience. Like I can, I can kind of separate that and be like, okay, that's like a Barbie princess, celebrity kind of situation. That's not going to apply to me. I will not (laughs) be wearing heels. I don't wear heels now. My feet were so swollen after I gave birth the first time. It was so disgusting. So, yeah, no, I'm not. I am not going to be walking around in a dress and heels and stockings a few hours after I give birth. And I'm okay with that. I'm going to own it. I'm going to wear my yoga pants and a tank top. Because there are images, I think, of motherhood. I mean, people think that... You know, moms are supposed to not age or change, but you're still supposed to be mom. Just your thoughts about the way the the imagery of motherhood doesn't necessarily let women age gracefully like like normal women age. You become a mom and everything about it is not glamorous. You've got sweat and you've got breast milk and you've got stuff on your face and your hairs are mad and you just want the baby to sleep and you just want to function on two hours and let that be enough. With the whole Kate Middleton thing, when she came out, it was like, that's nice for her, but that's not realistic. That's not what the rest of the world looks like unless yeah. you're a celebrity with money. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that that mom stood up and spoke out about that and um, are becoming vocal and are vocal about the realistic expectations. That whole, the way you described the pressure on moms to be young and fit and look a certain way and wear heels right after giving birth, I mean, that relates to our view of women in general. Mm. We have, I mean, now women are just expected to do everything and to look really hot while they do it. Mm-hmm. And um, so the... And not, we're not the, talking about hot as in Yeah, no, not, not the, the sweating. Brown. Not the sweating. <laughs> to look really good. You know, I often, it's funny. I often think, like, when I was a teenager, all moms had gray hair. And they, you know, they weren't that old. Uh, and now... No moms have gray hair. It's really rare to see a woman with gray hair, um, yeah. at least where we live in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. where people have access to salons, et cetera. Um, and, you know, there just is a lot of pressure on women to not age, to look a certain way. Um, yeah. And, and we judge them. Yeah. And it, it's a lot of judging. And because this is Flashpoint, we have to wrap this up. But my final question to all of you is as society works to secure gender equality, how do you think motherhood would change? And do you think your daughter or daughters-in-law will suffer the same pressures when they mother your grandchildren years from now? I think 
the biggest way motherhood's going to change is if fatherhood changes. Women have gone into the workplace more than men have gone into the home. But men are beginning to change, and men are more and more involved with children. And I think men really want to be involved with children. The more they get involved with children, the, the more women sort of have more freedom to spend time on other things. I think that is a direction we're going. Of course, lots of homes don't have a father. Lots of homes have two mothers. That's not the only answer, but it is part of it. And even for parents who are not together, if there is a father. Co-parenting. Maya? It's going to be up to the next generation of women who are having children to um, want their spouse or partner to be more accountable. I know a lot of jobs now are offering men paternity leave. So, you know, encouraging them to accept that and not feel like you're less of a male if you decide to take paternity leave and help with the baby at home. Don't have the expectation that women are going to take care of the babies plus cook the dinner. Plus, do. There should be a, a separation and a divide of the housework, and it should be not male and not female. It should be you know, work. It should be work. And I think just having women come to the realization that you it's not what you see on TV. You have to be willing and able to ask for help and accept help. So you have to empower. Women must be empowered. Last word to you, Amanda. Well, I'm raising sons, so I think that um, this one's a boy too. Yeah, I want to make sure I'm modeling that for them, right? That there's an equitable division of labor, that um, you know everyone's opinions count equally. I think what would be interesting to see in the future, my grandma had six kids. But she lived down the street from her parents and down the street from her sister. And both me and my husband are really far away from our families. The way society is structured might be different by the time my sons have kids. Maybe they'll stay close to home or maybe we'll have more easily accessible ways to communicate and work together even if they live further away. Um, Or they'll find other support networks and different ways to connect with People who are their friends um, or other support networks in their community. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed for the mom. So I just want to say happy Mother's Day to Thank all you. three of you. Thank, you. thank you to Professor Judith Levine. Thank you to Amanda Parashir. And thank you to Maya Hurst for coming on Flashpoint and talking about this issue. Next up, photos of this mother-son duo broke the internet. When she told me that story, he got stuck with me for years. The sacrifice the Chester mom made and the irreplaceable gift her son gave in return. This is Flashpoint, where we talk about the issues that get everyone hot and bothered. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. It's Mother's Day weekend, and we all know that moms make sacrifices for their children. And one mom from Chester gave up the chance to go to her prom so that she could get her first apartment with her new baby son. And this year, she made headlines when she got what many mamas would call the most thoughtful gift of Mama Thanks. Fatima Farouk went to the prom 18 years after she missed her own. Her date was her son, Nasir. Y'all know this was the cute, this was like the best story yeah. of 2018. The it most was, happy story. It was the best. It was pretty dope. So it was really dope. And y'all yeah. look good. Thank you. And y'all was green. You, Fly. <laughs> he picked that out. That was That's my favorite yeah. color. Well, so. green is our favorite color. So when she asked me do I want the color green, I said, it don't matter. Whatever you rock, I'll rock with it. 
and it looked good on me. <laughs> so let's back it up mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. tell me, you used to tell Nasir a story. Tell yes. me about this story that planted the seed that you probably didn't even know was going to grow no. into this event. Yeah. I, I didn't think that he would remember any of this. Again, this was when he was in eighth grade and I was getting him prepared for his eighth grade formal. I told him that I never went to mine. I, w- I showed up there, you know, watching like everybody else from the outside, watching my friends go in. But I was holding him the whole time. He was six months old and I just had bigger priorities than it was just to spend an overwhelming amount of money on an outfit or a couple hours when I could use it to purchase my first apartment. This story resonated with you, Nasir. Fast forward, you're in high school, prom is coming up. Why you said, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. When she told me that story, and it got stuck with me for years. I got so emotional, and I've been planning it, thinking about how I want to make my mom spend her time like she was young again at my senior prom. I asked her, I said, do you want to go to my prom? And she said yes, and she got so excited. And when we got into the Crystal Tea Room, all my friends were so surprised and excited. It was like, yo, y'all look so dope. That your mom, you know, she looked so young. They was like, no, that's not you know, we had a good times, you know, danced a couple music, but suddenly, you know, she gets tired because she be wearing all the Her feet cocked out yeah. on this. And so did you think that this was going to go pretty viral? much super viral? No. I, I say it was unexpectedly because all I ever did was just show the people how I took my mother out to my prom and show how I feel and made the people feel about me knowing that you can spend time with people, but for my mother, and when I told them the story, they were so heartwarming. They was like, what you did when you took your mother out, that was so dope. And don't let anybody, you know, get the negativity. Just keep doing you. A lot of people, Mm -hmm. my mother had me very young Mm -hmm. as well. And so you think about the mothers that had children um, young. You give up certain things. Yeah, I didn't think it. It would go this far at all. I thought it was just going to be, you know, the talk of Chester because we posted on social media or maybe like the talk of his high school. But to know that it it went viral, I mean, it went viral to the point where I get emails and DMs from women and young men and and young women, you know, young girls from all over the world, Morocco, Ireland, Nigeria, um, South Africa. Because they're inspired or the moms, you know, said, please show the world how dope single moms can be because we told we were told that we weren't going to be anything. We were going to be on welfare. No one was going to want us. And they were. It was amazing. Amazing feedback. And you mentioned don't listen to negativity. I couldn't even think of what negative comments people would give to this. So there's nothing that anyone can do or say, even if it's in a joking manner. That can take away the moment that my son gave me. As much as I allowed myself to go through as an, a, an adult or within my years or that I accepted and condoned, nothing that another human being can can tarnish or can break me the way that I already broke myself. Um, but there were some outlandish comments out there that were just, a couple of them were disgusting. A couple of them were funny. It didn't take away from anything. And you're going to have that when you have social media people strangers will put their speculation and it's just people that troll yeah and and the thing is i mean i i have so many supporters it doesn't even hit my radar the negativity so i had strangers that were saying something negative and i had strangers who were defending me you didn't even have to say anything at all i didn't give them not one soundbite yeah and it's it it, to me i thought it was great because you have two people of color right 
a, a mother, a young mother who made the sacrifice mm-hmm. um, and did the right thing. Because mm-hmm. they say, you know, you put your child first. Absolutely. But you would be surprised at the people who were trolling, which was young black guys and some some young black girls. Even some women were saying, like, I wouldn't have went and this, that, and the third. And, and some of the guys were like, let her, let him have his moment. It's like, let him have his moment as if I asked for him to take me. And then, two, uh, if I was your mom, you would want me to go to your prom, too. I'm dope. <laughs> okay? I'm cute. God damn it. Um, She's like, yes. 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 And so, I mean, did you, you didn't even hesitate. I mean, this is something that you had been thinking about for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what did definitely. you, what was your thought when people saying this, this all kinds of stuff? Like, just like when my mother told me and my cousin, they said, just don't let the negativity drag you down. Do not respond to them because it will cause a lot of backlashes. I have to say, you're very mature. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I'm mature. I just don't. Because a lot of people with, you know, younger people, they're, you know, they respond because it's more impulsive yeah. than thinking yeah. about it and saying, you know what? I'm not even going to worry about it. I'm up here. That's down there. I'm not even going to worry about and it. And that's what I had to teach both of my kids. You know, people are going to talk about you even after you're dead. So why are you caring about the living? They yeah. don't feed you. That stuff don't feed you. It's not going to pay your bills. Most it's not going to help you go through college. And it yeah. did help that you had a pretty mom. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, and she, it helped a lot. She put on her dress. <laughs> She was like stunting on the on the you know like it, it kind of helped it kind of helped you yeah. know yeah. so what do y'all think this le- this is a lesson to other people who's you know a lot of moms make a lot of sacrifices in different absolutely. ways yeah, and absolutely what lesson did you do you think motherhood taught you motherhood as a young woman taught mm-hmm. you and then to and then today now to get that kind of a gift in return um I I think motherhood taught me at, at a young age to. Make sure that you don't listen to the naysayers. You give your children, any great parent wants to give and provide for their children um, more than what they had, even if they came from a a great upbringing. I make sure that I show my children my downfalls, my, my, you know, tribulations, my, my tumbles. That way they can see that things aren't easy. But to raise two amazing kids, they show me daily how, how uh, appreciative the lifestyle that they have. Nasir, mm-hmm. you, you graduating? What are your next steps for yourself? Going to college for communication, like doing music production, radio. Is and y'all hear of- that radio voice? Go ahead, Nasir. <laughs> <laughs> and so you have big dreams for yourself. Yeah, I have a lot of dreams. I want y'all to give a piece of advice because it is Mother's Day weekend. Mm-hmm. I want you, Nasir, to give advice to, to the young people out there. What should they be doing for their mom? And then your final words to all those young moms out there yeah. who, yes. you know, are missing. They missed out. They miss it out on some stuff. Mm-hmm. And you never know what will happen, you know, years later. Yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, be confident. You don't have to be nervous. Just do it and have fun. Yeah. Celebrate your mom. Yeah, keep striving. Um, just, just make sure in the back of your mind, royalty, that's what you want to raise. You want to make sure that you raise beautiful kids and it doesn't take a bunch of you know uh guessing it doesn't take a bunch of you know extra stuff materialistic items they pay attention to the small things and they'll show you once they get older it 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 seeps out and you'll be amazed on on what you you know think that they didn't pay attention to Thank you to Fatima. Thank you to Nasir Farouk. We appreciate y'all thank being you. here. So happy Mother's Day. <laughs> thank and thank you. y'all for coming and thank being on Flashpoint.
Next up, their focus is moms that are going through tough times. This wonderful thing that we do was born out of sadness and grief. The South Jersey-based nonprofit and the innovative way they let mothers know they matter. This is Flashpoint, and I'm Cherry Gregg. We here at KYW are all about community, and this week... It's all about making moms feel special when they're going through tough times. And that is what Mothers Matter, Lauren Rose Albert Foundation, does every day. The nonprofit, born on Mother's Day 2001, has given out over 42,000 gift baskets to help women with special life circumstances. And there's more brotherly love to come. With me in the studio to discuss Mothers Matters is the founder, Susan Rose. Susan, welcome to the KWW oh, thank Studios. You. Thank you so much. So for those folks who have never heard of Mothers Matter, mm-hmm. tell me, what prompted you to start this organization? Well, it was actually um, this wonderful thing that we do was born out of sadness and grief. Mm-hmm. The Lauren Rose Albert Foundation was created in 2001 in honor of our oldest daughter, Lauren, who was killed in a road accident. Lauren was a mom mother of three. Her children were so important to her and she to them. And when we decided to do this in her honor, we wanted to create a memory in Lauren's name that would reflect Lauren. So it just seemed natural, you know, to do something to help mothers. Lauren was an advocate, always helping people in need, women in need. I had a career in government and saw women slip through the cracks. So it was just, it sort of, it fell into place. And um, initially, a way to help me out of out of my grief and to give me purpose, and and our three other daughters, my husband and family, and this beautiful, beautiful thing that we started became a lasting legacy to Lauren, as well as touching the lives of more women than we ever thought possible. Yeah. Yeah. And so how did it start? What was the mission, the initial well, the, mission? Because you kind of evolved. Oh, we did. Well, you know, we started with the initial mission to help women who could not help find help elsewhere. And uh, we tried to find areas of unmet need. So this one day we were sitting with a group who were trying to, you know, come up with ideas what we could do. A woman social service director said to us, woman, you want to help? She said, she doesn't have the time money, energy, effort to buy your own health and beauty care products. Someone suggested, well, let, why don't we do a little collection drive? Somebody else sitting at this, this table we were meeting that day said, well, let's do it. Let's do a collection drive maybe for Mother's Day. Somebody there wrote out a check for $100 so we could buy baskets. Somehow we put together enough health and beauty care products to fill 265 gift baskets. Next year, got a little bigger. Next year, a name. We were calling it the gift basket thing. A friend of mine who was a wordsmith said, I said to him what we were doing. He said, well, Susan, mothers matter. Well, there you go. We also began interacting with our recipients to find other needs and other areas of unmet need. And so along the way, we also started an emergency grant program, which we do to this day to help women with financial needs, who were referred to us from social service agencies who have nowhere else to turn for help. We keep the lights on. We pay uh, hospital bills. We went from just doing this wonderful gift basket thing, Mother's Matter, doing it just on Mother's Day, to doing it year-round. Wow. So almost all are donated. Everything is done by volunteers. 
And we now, do, as I said, we do it now year-round. Mother's Day is still big. This Mother's Day, 2018, we will distribute over 2,100 gift bags. We, throughout the year, we go to cancer programs. We have special gift bags for women who are receiving chemotherapy. We go to Ronald McDonald House family rooms for women with children in the hospital. We do about 4,500 a year total, including Mother's Day. Our grand total, we've now distributed over 44,000 wow. of gift bags and gift baskets. But to this day, Mother's Day is, that's a special day. And, and so when you think about the impact, yes, what do you think Lauren would say? Oh, you know, to this day, it's been um, 18 years, I cry, you know, and I think how she was such a, a strong, wonderful person, a wonderful mother, um, and I, I know she'd be proud. And even though I'm the mother and she's the daughter, it would make me so happy to know she's proud of me and of her sisters and her dad and, and everyone who has done so much in her memory, but to reflect a mother's love and to just to touch lives of women who are facing difficult times, to bring some joy into lives. And we know we do because we hear from the moms, but what we do is, is a gift and it's done with love and care, which, which is obvious when, when, when they open it up. That's amazing. Yeah. And you took, you know, a tragic situation and turned it into something absolutely terrific and positive. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And so I know you probably take donations. Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> Tell me what type of the donations you okay, take. Okay. For our Mother's Matter gift basket, gift bag program, we take donations of women's health, personal care, and beauty products. All new. Our website, mothersmatter.org does have a list of suggested items. We also take cash donations. We do have a fundraiser to help pay for our rent for our, our building and also to help, because as I said, we do emergency grants. So uh, that information's on the website. Yeah, and I know that bringing joy to women and also giving that helping hand when it's extremely tough is something that, that we all need. And so happy Mother's Day to thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, um, and keep doing what you're doing because oh, mothers you. do matter. Check out mothersmatter.org donations. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Mother, happy Mother's Day to all. Thank you. That's it for the Flashpoint Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this exclusive content. Follow KYW News Radio on Twitter and let us know what you think by using the hashtag Flashpoint. You can also follow me at Cherry Gregg. You can subscribe to the show by using the radio.com app, iTunes, or logging on to KYWnewsradio.com. Please take a second to leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If there's an issue that makes you hot under the collar, let us know and we'll walk you through the flames. As author Agatha Christie once said, a mother's love for her child is like nothing else in the world. It knows no law, no pity. It dares all things and crushes down remorselessly all that stands in its path. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. Until next week, happy Mother's Day and thanks for listening.